Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the DOMO Second Quarter Fiscal Year 2022 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this time, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. Also, please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Vice President of Investor Relations, Mr. Peter Lowry. Thank you. Please go ahead. Good afternoon and welcome. On the call today, we have Josh James, our founder and CEO, Bruce Felt, our CFO, and Julie Kehoe, our Chief Communications Officer. Julie will lead off with our safe harbor statement and then on the call. Julie? Thanks, Pete. Our press release was issued after the market closed and is posted in the Investor Relations section of our website, where this call is also being webcast. Statements made on this call include forward-looking statements related to our business under federal securities laws, including statements about financial projections, the plans and expectations for our go-to-market strategy, our expectations for our sales and new business initiatives, the impact of COVID-19 on our business, and our financial condition. These statements are subject to a variety of risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. For a discussion of these risks and uncertainties, please refer to documents we filed with the SEC, in particular today's press release, our most recently filed annual report on Form 10-K, and our most recently filed quarterly report on Form 10-Q. These documents contain and identify important risk factors and other information that may cause our actual results to differ materially from those contained in our forward-looking statements. In addition, during today's call, we will discuss non-GAAP financial measures, which we believe are useful as supplemental measures of DOMO's performance. Other than revenue, unless otherwise stated, we will be discussing our results of operations on a non-GAAP basis. These non-GAAP measures should be considered in addition to, and not as a substitute for or in isolation from, GAAP results. Please refer to the tables in our earnings press release for a reconciliation of our non-GAAP financial measures to the most directly comparable gap measure. With that, let me hand it over to Josh. Over to you, Josh. Thank you, Julie. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining the call. As everyone is still dealing with COVID at different levels, depending on the pocket of the country or world you live in, we hope that you and your loved ones remain safe and healthy. In Q2, our business momentum continued. As the first cloud-native modern BI platform, Domo posted 26% billings growth. And I hope to see us about this level or higher the next several quarters as we strive towards getting a three-handle in front of our growth numbers for the long term. We posted 23% subscription revenue growth and 23% total revenue growth as well. Obviously, I'm very pleased with our continued strong execution. Now, let me talk about a few things that I think are behind our recent success and why we expect it to continue. First, we see that market forces have been really working in our favor. Digital transformation initiatives remain a key area of investment and a strategic necessity for organizations of all sizes. We are also seeing favorable trends because companies are wanting a cloud-first, open, agnostic partner for their data platform. We're truly benefiting from the building momentum for the breadth of apps that are built on our platform including those that are powered by our data science and Domo Everywhere technologies. And for all intents and purposes, when we are selling apps, 
or when we're in app-assisted deals, our traditional head-to-head -head competitors effectively drop to zero. And to touch on our recent big deal that we closed last quarter, we're already seeing increased revenue and success there as well. Our ability to deliver BI leverage at cloud scale in record time is a successful formula. As a validation of our approach, in Q1, in the 2021 Gartner Magic Quadrant for analytics and BI platforms, Domo moved up to the Challenger Quadrant. Also in Q2, in the new 2021 Forrester Wave for augmented BI platforms, Domo was named a leader and a, quote, rising star for full-stack BI translitical and no-code applications. This will be a boon to our sales organization, I should think. Now, let me talk about a few of our recent customer wins. Q2 was a strong new logo quarter with accelerating customer count growth, momentum with partners, and legacy replacements as customers modernize their BI systems. Many of our significant wins this quarter also included our sales plays targeting IT and BI groups directly, as well as line of business leaders. And we're seeing dramatic accelerating pickup of our apps, especially those derived from our Domo Everywhere and data science technologies. One of the new logo wins this quarter was a division of a multinational asset management firm with over $1 trillion in assets. This division provides digital wealth management technology solutions to its financial advisor clients. They created an app leveraging our Domo Everywhere technology to provide self-service analytics for these clients, allowing the sharing of its real-time data with the financial advisor customers through its proprietary advisor portal. Actually, in this case, we are serving our customers, customers, customer. Another new logo win was with a pharmaceutical provider to long-term care facilities to provide analytics to its customers. They had invested in a legacy data warehouse that was expensive to maintain and could not meet their internal or external data needs. They required an embedded, self-service, easy-to-use app for pharmacy and nurse consultants that only Domo could provide through our app framework and Domo Everywhere technology. One of our significant upsells this quarter was a seven-figure deal with a European-based life sciences company to measure marketing ROI and to provide a data science app that could deliver marketing insights at a global scale across, across countries and brands to optimize marketing spend. We also had a significant half-million-dollar upsell with one of our current seven-figure customers, a diversified technology company which is continuing to, provide, to modernize its customer-facing fleet management analytics solution from a legacy on-premise offering to a modern cloud-based app enabled by our Domo Everywhere technology. This customer is able to provide real-time KPIs for their transportation customers who can also add data and customize their own reports using Domo, something the legacy provider could not provide. Another notable upsell was with a healthcare company that needed an app for vaccination administration and scheduling for millions of people in a variety of states. We were able to deliver this highly robust, multi-layered application in the quarter they needed it, using off-the-shelf components and tools from our Domo application development framework. Applications built off our data science technology also drove notable upsells in the quarter. 
For example, one medical, one medical technology and professional services company built a, a data science application to determine a forecasting model to better, to better predict the likelihood of claims payment in their customer base. And a luxury retailer created a low-code, no-code app leveraging our data science technology to help them predict customer churn and lifetime value so they knew where to focus their resources. One of the world's leading management consultancies recently doubled their investment in Domo to expand their ability to use Domo in more of their client engagements. They wanted to make sure they had access to a sufficient number of licenses and all the capabilities that Domo offers their clients as they continue to identify new use cases where Domo makes sense over the other technologies available in their tool chest. In addition to these stamps of customer approval, industry recognition continues to pour in, as you saw in our press release. And we were highlighted for Parity.org's Best Companies to Work For list for the second consecutive year. In closing, I'm thrilled that as a business, we can continue to invest in the huge opportunity in front of us. I'm excited that we have already added the desired sales capacity in FY22, and I'm confident that our differentiated product and strong execution should enable our growth for a long time to come. I'm very proud of the team for producing accelerating growth this year, and given what I'm seeing in the marketplace, I'm looking forward to providing you guidance for the next year when the time comes. And with that, I'll hand it over to the Bruce. Thank you, Josh. I'm pleased with our Q2 performance. We continue to execute well and make good progress against our growth initiatives. So let me spend a few minutes on those items. On growth initiatives, we made good progress on the sales hiring front. We have met our 20% increased capacity goal, and because of the good performance we have seen from our sales teams, we're building even more capacity through the rest of the year. On execution, we had high transaction volumes across both new customers and selling to existing customers in Q2. In addition to good sales management and adding reps, we believe this is a result of our continued improving position in the market, as noted by all the industry acknowledgments Josh highlighted. Our North America corporate business, which focuses on companies with less than $1 billion in annual revenue, perform particularly well. We attribute this success to excellent sales execution, a lead generation process that engages well with that target market, and the green field nature of the opportunity. Given we provide a full technology stack that is a superior choice against the tool vendors that offer point solutions in the space. We delivered Q2 billings of 60 million, a strong year-over-year -year increase of 26%, driven by an over 90% gross retention rate, new customer additions, and expansions into existing customers. Net retention remained above 100% and was up slightly from Q1, and gross retention was also up slightly from Q1. On a dollar-weighted basis, we now have 60% of our customers under multi-year contract at the end of Q2, up from 58% a year ago. 
our remaining performance obligations, or RPO, which consists of all future revenue under contract through 24% compared to the same quarter last year, and current RPO through 23% year over year. Q2 total revenue was $62.8 million, a year-over-year increase of 23%. Subscription revenue grew 23% year-over-year and represented 87% of total revenue. International revenue in the quarter represented 24% of total revenue and was up from 23% in Q1. Our subscription gross margin was 83%, up from 80% in Q2 of last year, and roughly in line with last quarter. We continue to be successful managing our data center costs, even as volume increased. In Q2, operating expenses increased 16% from last year, primarily as we invest in our sales capacity. This lags our revenue growth of 23%, as we are able to get leverage out of our cost structure. This resulted in an improvement in our operating margin of over 600 basis points from the same quarter of last year. Our net loss was 9.6 million, down from 10.7 million a year ago, and our net loss per share was 30 cents. This is based on 31.9 million weighted average shares outstanding, basic and diluted. In Q2, we reported net cash provided by operations of $2.2 million. Our cash balance was approximately $86 million, up slightly from last quarter. Q2 represents the fifth consecutive quarter of greater than 20% billings growth, and that, in turn, gives us the confidence to continue to invest in our growth opportunities as our investments are yielding positive return. Now to discuss what we expect in Q3 in the full year FY22. For Q3, we're expecting year-over-year billings growth of approximately 20%. As we have previously discussed, we have many growth drivers in play that could help us achieve an even higher growth rate. For the current fiscal year, we expect billings growth of about 21% year-over-year, up from our previous guidance of 18%. On expenses, we're planning for Q3 operating expenses to increase from Q2 levels as we continue to pursue our growth initiatives. We are particularly focused on continuing to invest in sales capacity. We plan for Q3 and full-year adjusted net cash provided by operations to be positive. Now the formal guidance. For the third quarter of FY22, we expect GAAP revenue to be in the range of 63.5 million to 64.5 million. We expect non-GAAP net loss per share, basic and diluted, of 33 cents to 37 cents. This assumes 32.4 million weighted average shares outstanding, basic and diluted. For the full year of FY22, we expect GAAP revenue to be in the range of $252 million to $256 million, representing year-over-year growth of 
20 to 22%. We expect non-GAAP net loss per share, basic and diluted, of $1.31 to $1.39. This assumes 32 million weighted average shares outstanding, basic and diluted. In closing, we're pleased with our strong performance in Q2, and we believe we remain very well positioned to execute against our growth plans. With that, we'll open up the call for questions. Operator? At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask your questions, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that's star one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Sanjit Singh from Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Hi, uh, thank you for taking the questions and um, congrats on the 26% billing growth, which uh, looks like accelerated a, a tiny bit off of. So I think, you know, we're close. Uh, the one thing that we haven't had is building sales capacity. And we, you know, we've been adding sales capacity. Bruce and I, Bruce and I both, both touched on that. But having sales capacity um, and, you know, the productivity per rep stay in the same ballpark where it's been will definitely put us in that range where you'll see that 30%. So, you know, I'm feeling excited and good about that. We're, we've got great managers in place. Um, the team's performing. You know, we're seeing the deals. The, the marketing organizations uh, generating leads, our customer service reps are taking care of customers, and you know we're really seeing the market transform, where we went from people not understanding how we're not just, you know, visualization or traditional BI. We're like, no, we're we're modern BI, uh, and that includes a lot of other things. And what that enables are all these apps, and that's why I highlighted all those customer examples of the new deals and the upsells that we got. We're seeing apps sold into many of our deals, um, and we don't have competition when we're doing that. And I think as long as we just do more of that and add some sales heads so we have more people selling, then we'll, we'll be seeing a three uh, in front of our growth numbers. They're making growth easier for Domo. It sounds like um, the gross retention rates continue to tick up, which, which is certainly helpful there. The other thing that sort of caught my ear was the commentary on the corporate market. Um, it sounds like you've been doing well on winning those strategic accounts. You had that, you know, big deal that you, you sort of referenced last quarter. But it seems like the corporate market could be kind of that quicker sales cycle. And I was wondering in terms of creating that high-velocity blocking and tackling business that's, that's driven by sort of digital lead generation, can that be sort of a, a, a driver going into, into calendar 22? Because um, it seems like, like lead generation was 
one of the challenges for the company before in terms of an investment area, but it seems like that's paying off. I just wanted to understand like the corporate market opportunities. Yeah, so we'll continue to um, invest in the corporate market. You know, it's a it's a good market, good business, good average deal size. We're important to those customers. Um, you know, a lot of our customers, you know, even they maybe only have two hundred and fifty million dollars in revenue. But when you think about companies, you know, that have two hundred fifty million dollars in revenue, they're real businesses, and um, you know, we become a very important part of their business. And we interact with their CEOs and their COOs and their CFOs and CMOs. Uh, we're an important part of their of that relationship, and I think uh, there's plenty of opportunity there for us to continue to grow, continue to add reps, and it's not just with new logos, which you know we're seeing the new logo count tick up. Uh, we, you're right, our our ability to generate leads has improved, uh, but the other thing that we've seen a lot of success from is uh, splitting those teams out into um, teams that go out and generate new logos, and then teams that work with our current customers and go out and get upsells. And we've been really effective that way. When you look at the productivity of those teams, it's off the charts. Uh, so we know there's a lot more product and opportunity that we can go in, go back in and sell to our current customers. Uh, we have you know, thousands of customers and an opportunity to go back and sell them a lot of products and services. So we feel really good about the opportunities there in the corporate market uh, with Jeff Skousen running it and his very capable group of managers. So we're pretty excited about that. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from the line of Derek Wood from Colin. Your line is open. Great. Thanks for taking my questions, and uh, congrats. Another uh, another great quarter. Um, I, ca I wanted to follow up on that new customer generation, and I mean, it sounds like you guys have been doing well on your own marketing lead gen, but, Josh, I, I know you've talked about you know, some of the bigger deals you've landed recently create, you know, this kind of viral market awareness, maybe particularly in the retail vertical. Um, you know, you've got the move that you made up in the Gartner Magic Quadrant. Uh, and so I'm just curious how how those kinds of um, activities are translating and, and impacting the customer generation and how that's getting you more market awareness. Yeah, I think it just gives us more credibility with the customer when you go in there. Um, we figured out the right way to approach the customer. Uh, and, you know, one of the big things that happens, people buy from people they like, people buy from people that they have confidence in. And when our reps are walking in, they have a lot of confidence because we have a lot of referenceable customers. And, you know, we're not just helping one small group, but we're providing apps to these customers that uh, are transforming uh, the way that they run their business. Uh, we were just looking at um, a customer that, I didn't know a lot about, and we dove into a little bit, and they're paying us north of a million bucks a year. They just signed a three-year renewal, increased their contract by half a million bucks a year, and uh, it's because we're providing an app to them that helped them uh, manage um, all of their employees and this, their, their bill hours and how to manage all their employees more effectively, and it's through this app that, that uh, we built for them in this low-code, no-code framework that we have. So you, know, you just hear more and more about those kind of examples um, we had one of the states that we work with that we started out with a COVID relationship and helping them do testing. Um, and, you know, it was when something needed to be put together over the weekend. We built an app for them, for them over the weekend. And we just heard from them two days ago, one of these states, we heard that um, now they're looking at a multi-year deal with a big upsell. And the commentary that they gave to us was, we had no idea how easy it was to build apps there's so many things that we need to accomplish here internally for our state, 
and we're starting to look at you guys a lot more seriously for uh, other applications that we need to build as well. So there's just a lot of goodness all around. Um, we need the extra capacity because we've been limited by the people, the number of reps that we've had. I think as we build that out, we're going to see a lot of goodness accrued to the, accrued to the company. Great. Thanks. And maybe on the flip side, just kind of talking about large-scale activity, and I think the last few quarters you've highlighted some some nice, really big strategic wins. And it seems like this quarter was more highlighted around a lot of good, you know, transactional activity. But just, you know, and talking about, you know, your pipelines and, and uh, 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 lead gen around larger deals, you know, how do you feel about your, your pipeline coverage today versus a year ago on large deals, and particularly as we move into the seasonally stronger second half? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens in Q4. Um, we got a lot of deals that are cooking. We don't necessarily – it's not dominated by large deals. You know, there's um, – that's, I guess, maybe a good and a bad thing. We want to see uh, more large deals out there. I think they're going to accrue to us as we have more success in the enterprise space. Uh, but at the same time, when we look at our pipeline, uh, there's, it's not a big, lumpy pipeline. It's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a game of numbers here. And when there's not big, lumpy numbers, then you feel really confident about the numbers that you're looking at. Um, but I, if you look, like I'm looking at the top 10 customers that we have right now, and just in the last quarter, four or five of them, we got upsells from. Uh, so, you know, we're going to continue to see, you look at the average revenue we get from our top 10 customers, that's going to continue to grow. Um, I don't know if there's, I don't think there's anybody in the top 10 where we've maxed out our relationship with them. And to the contrary, I'd say most of them, you know, we maybe have one-tenth or one, maybe one-fifth uh, of the relationship that we could have with them, um, and in some cases, one-twentieth. So there's just a lot of upside for us. There's a lot of goodness that's going to come. Um, it's just, you know, we've got to put it to Bruce to help us figure out uh, what that guidance needs to be, and, and we're trying to be patient, uh, but we see a lot of goodness coming, especially as we see the sales capacity growing and the productivity staying, staying in the same ballpark. Okay, thanks. Well done. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Jack Andrews from Needham & Company. Your line is open. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my question. I was wondering if we could just dig a little bit deeper into this, the success and differentiation you're seeing in, in, in your app business. I mean, is there a way to maybe decouple what you're doing in apps from the platform itself, or is it the power of Domo's platform that allows your apps to to be, um, you know, to be really resonating well? Is, is there a way to sort of break these apart, or is it the combination that's really um, helping you? It's the combination that's helping us. I mean, every single one of these apps has a data component. Uh, if you want to run a digital business, if you want to run a business in the environment that we're in now uh, that's able to interact with your customers in a digital way, interact with your employees in a digital way, then you need a data platform first and foremost. And we have the ability to allow you to put all of your data in, in, a, in a location where we can access it. Once you can access it and distribute it to all the people that need to see that information, then our customers' light bulbs start going off. Like, well, could I take these components and these elements of data and then create an application and could I distribute this to all of our developers that build on our gaming platform? Could I distribute this to all of our insurance agents in the way that they interact with their customers? Could I take this information and distribute it to all the citizens there that uh, come in and need services from our state? 
and every single one of those apps has a need for data. And if you were some app developer sitting outside and you were tasked with going to do that, you'd have to start with going to figure out where the data is. We already happen to know where the data is. And um, so when a customer has an opportunity to provide a service or, or do something more efficiently, something that might cost them 10 or 20 million bucks outside, they can come to us and be like, uh, can you guys build an app that does this? We're like, yeah, we got the low-code, no-code environment. You can do it yourself. You can have a partner do it. We can do it for you. And one or two million bucks later, uh, they've got a fully functioning uh, app that's customized for their business. And, you know, that's what we're seeing. We talked about a big deal that we closed last year, I mean, last quarter, uh, a several million dollar deal that we closed last quarter. And the thing that is already moving down for them in a dramatic way uh, are the apps that we've been put together for them and that they've been helping us put together. And it's just taking pieces of data that has never been able to be exposed before. Uh, it's exposing it in real time. And we're already hearing that it's saving, it's saving hours of time from everybody that was working on the sales floor across this organization because now instead of them having to go and research data, it's right there in their phone. And it's in an app that we put together for them, and it's only because they're using our data platform. So it's the combination of the two things, the app framework that we have and then the modern BI platform that allows you to have this BI leverage at cloud scale and then building these apps in record time. It's, it's really transformational. And we were having a conversation earlier today at lunch talking about, you know, what percentage of the Fortune 500 do you actually think has, an app, has a data platform where they have access to all their data like we do for a couple of our really big customers? And I've guessed five, six, that's it. Like we're at the very beginning of this game, but we have a fully functioning uh, data platform and app framework, and we're going to transform companies. That's really helpful. Appreciate that. Maybe just as a follow-up question, if I may, um, you know, Josh, is there a way to frame uh, the number of strategic C-level um, conversations you're having now versus maybe six to 12 months ago, and, and just how important are those conversations um, for, you know, expansions moving forward? Yeah, I mean, that number definitely increases. It's not like a, it's not like a you know, dramatic increase because we've always had CXO relationships. Uh, we had a, um, a meeting here, and we were talking about um, all the different clouds that are out there, and we went around eStaff and raised hands for people that actually log into those applications that are provided by the big cloud vendors. And some of them, not one person on eStaff logs into. Uh, other ones, maybe one person, whoever's direct line responsibility it was, logs into that. But you look at our customers, uh, especially like in the corporate market, there's multiple CXOs in almost every single one of our relationships that has access to the data. In all of our enterprise customers, multiple CXOs have access and log in and look at that data, uh, in many cases, multiple times a day. So it's, it's, you know, an occurrence that doesn't happen anywhere else, doesn't happen with any other software vendor that I know of. And, um, you know, I think that's why we're excited to be in the position that we're in. Uh, I don't think the growth profile yet reflects the opportunity and reflects what we've built because of some of the history, uh, but we feel really good about where we're getting positioned and, and the resources that are coming online with the pro product that we already have and the customers, you know, the ex customer experiences that we already have. Appreciate the color. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Pat Wallravens from JMP Securities. Your line is open. 
Oh, great. Thank you. And let me add my congratulations. So, Josh, what would it take for this business to grow much faster? Well, we'll get into the 30s, and then we'll tell you. Um, you know, I think you look at just what Bruce talked about on, on the analyst day and the growth drivers that are there. Uh, we don't – we need, like, one of those growth drivers to get into the threes. And, in fact, I don't even know if sales capacity was on there. But, really, all we need is sales capacity. Get more sales capacity and we're in the threes. You know, and then you add those growth drivers that Bruce talked about on analyst day. We get a couple of those things to work and we're faster. Um, so, you know, whether it's uh, the partner network, I mean, you look at the ecosystem that's getting created by the app framework that we've built. Uh, there's going to be a real ecosystem around that. We have a customer that uh, provides mortgage services and um, they've built an app that they then go out and sell. Um, you know, un, it's not unlike uh, Force.com and Financial Force. We have multiple Financial Forces running around. It's maybe not your traditional ecosystem, um, but they're out there. And we look at that and look at the, you know, the, the momentum that they have. We're like, we need to see this a little more. That's a real opportunity we need to go and invest in. Uh, we have customers that, you know, we have products that, that um, in the – I guess in the space that has to do with, you know, goal setting and managing and, and um, in workflow apps in the workflow space, um, we have dozens upon dozens of them that have been built, and we're taking some of those and turning them into apps ourselves that we're going to sell, and we have been selling into our customer base um, dozens of times. So, you know, I think you turn around and you're like, oh, that did $5 million last quarter of new business. That's a real opportunity, and that's what happens to more everywhere. We've got 10 more things like that cooking. And, um, you know, I, I, we referenced Dillmore Everywhere multiple times today, and that technology enables so many interesting apps. So I, I think there's a lot. Go look at the list from the analyst data that, that Bruce gave, and those are the things that get us higher than the threes. Bruce, you want to add anything on that? I just, <clears throat> I just say we're making fantastic progress against a couple of those. I mean, one is certainly sales hiring. We've really been leaning into sales capacity. We think um, we're in a fantastic position to bring reps on board, ramp them, and and get them to get them to work. And that's been going extremely well. Um, the other thing is certainly just the brand awareness, as evidenced by how our position in the market continues to improve, and how the market, the dialogue in the market is more around modern BI, fast deployment, easy adoption flexibility, the ability, low-code, no-code apps, that's, that's really moving our way in a big way. So these two alone um, really put, uh, in a very, put us in a very good position to keep the growth going. And, and on all the other items, which includes partners, the BI, the, you know, the BI play running at the office of the CIO, uh, marketing effectiveness, all those were making uh, incremental improvements. Uh, so we're seeing improving, but any one of those can also, I think, have a breakout quarter. And that that would put us in a really good position to kind of keep the growth, not only the growth going, going, but get more to our aspirational growth rates. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. Your next question comes from the line of Camille Mosharek from William Blair. Your line is open. Hi, uh, congrats on the great continued execution, and uh, thanks for taking my question. 
I, I want to better understand your comments uh, around the continued sales capacity investments. Uh, so you met your 20% hiring growth targets in the quarter, and you, but you said you plan to build more capacity through the rest of the year. Are you still expecting sales headcount to be up 20% at the end of the fiscal year? Or is productivity finally getting to a point where you can accelerate that pace of ads? And how do you decide if that growth should eventually be 25 or maybe even 30%? Yeah, so the basic model was to uh, count on rep count growing, but don't count on productivity increasing. In fact, you know, uh, we, we kind of model a decrease, and we do that. For safety reasons, we do that because we <clears throat> experienced difficulty in the past keeping productivity up with, with hiring, and we are just want to be very careful about um, how we come up with our plans and, and particularly with our guidance around the plans. We fully, uh, we've, uh, I'll put it this way, we've charged through 20%, and it's going to stay that way uh, through the end of the year. And uh, you, you heard from Josh, the aspirational numbers. Um, well, I, I would say aspirational is even higher than much higher stated. But um, you can see where we're pointing to on where we want to get the capacity and not have to rely on productivity. But if we can get both, if we can get both up, then we're, we're really in a good position. So uh, keep on going to sales hiring until the point at which we find we're not getting the you know returns we should be getting, and we've yet to find we've yet to find that point. So we're going to keep going. Yeah, I think the summary is that, and we've talked about this before, but it's it's so true, and it feels very different. We were playing defense there for several years. We've been playing offense the last 12 months. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, we blew through our sales capacity uh, initial targets in one quarter. And, um, you know, we can see that number up 30 percent, 40 percent, depending on where we're at. We certainly have the P&L uh, ability to hire more reps and invest in the future. So hopefully that's what we'll be able to do when we, as we, you know, see the numbers play out. But it certainly seems like that's going to be the way, that's going to be the, the direction that we're going to head. That's, that's great to hear on the progress and uh, definitely nice to, to hear about those aspirational targets. Um, if I could just follow up on the partner channel, can you just update us on the traction you're seeing there, and who are some of the biggest contributors today, and what are the next steps to driving towards the uh, long-term uh, target set of at your uh, investor day of 15%? Yeah, so we we've we've got uh, you know a whole group that goes out and works with different partners that we have. We talked about uh, a deal that we won uh, this this quarter uh, from one of the large. Um, consulting organizations that's out, that's out there that made an even bigger bet on Domo, and those kind of relationships certainly help. We had, um, you know, more. We have more uh, new opportunities in the pipe from uh, Snowflake than we've ever had, um, and the relationship there continues to evolve, um, where we're building relationships with the different managers and sales engineers and salespeople on their side, uh, and we're bringing each other into deals. So um, it's good to see that momentum, and we'll just keep plugging away at that. That's not something that we think that we're going to get a huge benefit out of, you know, in terms of our partner ecosystem. It's going to have a massive impact on our numbers or that we're counting on uh, in the next 12 months, but that's more of the um, the long play, and we're going to keep investing it. We know there's opportunity. Goodness comes to you as you, as you get larger in size, as you get um, better ranked and recognized uh, by the analysts. So, um, you know, goodness is going to occur to us, and we're going to be patient on that, and we'll just continue to invest in it.
That's good to hear. Thanks again. All right, thank you. There are no more questions at this time. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.